Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host Arturo Turita, and joining me, he's ready to play a game, but the man didn't want to watch the movie. It's Zachary <laughs> Shevich. I'm uh, keeping my tradition up of not seeing any of the Saw movies since that first one, and uh, for the most part, I feel like that's done wait, me wait. okay. You've not uh, yeah, seen I, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know that my history with horror is like spotty at best. So I uh, that was that was a weird time in like torture porn and really like upsetting kind of movies, the kind of horror that I it did. Yeah, it got really kind of struggle with. So that's never really been uh, the movies I've gravitated towards, and I I hear I'm missing out, particularly with the latest one. So I'm definitely curious uh, what you. Uh, thought of it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I'm at the point, though, you know, going from TIFF to New York and, New York. and lots and lots of four day, five day, three day movies. You got back your own to back horror, to back. your own games, <laughs> yeah. your own traps. I, I, I'm, I'm having those like, man, do I even like movies <laughs> kind of moments? And then, like, thankfully, there are those movies there that then, like, pick you back up and revitalize you. I don't know if you're at that point. Like, I know you got a little more of a break uh, with your Chicago screenings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm always at that point, bro. Especially (laughs) because I just finished 10 zombies. But uh, other than that, we do have a good amount of movies from the last two weeks. You have a lot to report back from New York because I heard New York, not just the movies. I heard it was raining. I heard you guys were rowboating to your screenings. So I heard it's been insane for that. But um, we got a lot to break down. You did say, though. Right before we started, Zach said he had breaking distributor news. Dun, dun, dun. Breaking news. Uh, we are uh, hot off Going tiff on ABC. with one of the favorite movies that of yours that I didn't get around to. Did you hear that Netflix acquired His Three Daughters starring Natasha Leone, Elizabeth Olsen, and Carrie Coon? Whoa. One of our yeah. top ten picks from the fast. Wow. Exactly. No date? Uh, no date as of yet. They spent seven mil on it, though, a little under the 11 they dropped on Women of the Hour and not as much as eh. the 20 they dropped on Hitman. But Netflix splashing that money uh, despite, despite you know, the writer's strike and Screen Actors Guild struggles. They, they seem to have <laughs> some cash to burn at these festivals. Wow. I think when you compare it to the other one that you had mentioned, the Anna Kendrick one, for being mm-hmm. um, a thriller. Yeah, we saw that one. We're like, I don't know. I feel like that can make money, especially considering what it's about. This one kind of worries me because it's like they do all the math. They're like, here's every landmark music box and IFC center. I could play (laughs) Netflix. Give us seven mil. We'll take it. That's better than that. (sighs) At least people will be able to see it. That's the best thing to say about that. So absolutely. um, No, shout out to that movie. We have all of our TIFF coverage that we covered there. Let's talk about the movies for this week, starting off with that one that Zach said. I'll keep it brief. I, I've got a whole LME talking about socks that we're working on right now, and we are going to want to do a whole, like, Saw timeline. <laughs> Saw X fits somewhere in the middle, and literally somewhere in the middle, because this is a series where they jump all, all around. You know, there's this, like, spiral thing that they do in mm-hmm. where uh, you're technically supposed to be looking at the movies intertwining within each other. And I do kind of find that fascinating at the same time it's also become this um jigsaw puzzle where none of the pieces really fit uh this one is decent if you're not a fan of the franchise you're not going to fall in love with it if you are a fan of the franchise i think they big they take it back to its roots which is this idea that uh john kramer played by literally the person you need to have or else it's not gonna be a good song movie tobin bell this man truly believes that he is like doing Shakespeare with this, right? He doesn't see himself as this mastermind of evil. This man sees himself as like a doctor, a prophet, a savior. He puts you through these traps in order for you to come out the other side, um, evaluating life differently. He's decent in this movie. I think he, he does a pretty good job. They bring back some of the fan favorites. This is actually supposed to fit. I know you've been really curious about this. It fits in between Saw 1 and Saw 2. Yeah, so, they've been saying it's like we, Saw 1.5. Yeah, this man does not date in a... Age the day at all. But so are the other ones. A lot of the other ones are solved 0.5s and 1.5s as well. Um, look, I think this one's decent. The uh, traps are just as crazy as before. The one that you see right there on the cover, I think, would be one of the standout ones. Uh, Is yeah, that the, I, the I, one I, involving brains? I heard there's one involving brains that's a little... Uh, 
Yes, because this all has to do with like a surgery gone wrong. So Ugh. those are really the 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 themes behind it. The the <laughs> the brain matter one is pretty disgusting. I would not recommend it for you, Zach. <laughs> uh, I will say though, going back in all of my research before this series got off the rails, obviously it came from the minds of James Wan, James Wan and Lee Wynell. Yeah. Uh, but this is also a series where the first one played at Sundance. Like the first one started off as a short. When it did its run at Sundance, where it blew up so much, like they were getting ready for the sequel already. And from there, obviously, they took it to become a, a Halloween staple where you were getting one of these a year until I think it was a, a High School Musical beat it around the fifth one. And then by the <laughs> sixth one, Paranormal Activity came in and we've had Blumhouse ever since. And then, you know, they kind of stopped. They've tried to have a couple of reboots. Spiral doesn't even get included on here. Which I was going to say, I, I I was curious about it for the inclusion of Chris Rock. Rocks? I, you know, that was that weird, like, sort COVID. of in the COVID release. I, yeah, I just ended up missing it. Yeah, uh, well, they don't count it, which is weird because <laughs> then it would be eight, not ten. So you do kind of have to count it. Uh, yeah, this one's a decent outing for those who really like it. I don't think it's better than one. Uh, I know a lot of people are fans of two and six. I'd put it right after those because it's kind of just like an HD version, uh, I guess 4K version of those movies as we get to uh, sneak in there with another story for John Kramer. So if you're curious for it, we had a jam-packed theater for this. But Zach, how did the, how is this not the number one release of the week? For those who don't know, I didn't even have it pulled up here because I was not expecting this. I thought Saw X was automatically going to be the one that people were going to be, you know, hounding to the theaters for. I checked the box office. You saw what took it? <laughs> I mean, the reliable Paw Patrol. It, I think the last one took number one too, didn't it? I or was that a direct... I no the other one Paw Patrol the movie uh, released twenty twenty one was a simultaneous release between this and I think Paramount Plus. So ah. I see Paw Patrol the Mighty movie trailers playing and I swore I saw this already out. Bro, they just added Mighty to the movie like a kids meal and <laughs> number one at the box office damn near doubled what everybody else was getting. I want to say it was in the thirties while everything else was like in the teens. I did not catch this, so I guess we're going to have to go do our duty and uh, go catch up on the number one movie of the week, which is Paul Patrol, the Mighty Movie, or just wait two weeks, and uh, it'll be out on uh, Paramount Plus, where they can save a lot of money if you're a parent. Uh, Sticking with theaters, something that made damn near half, I think more than, less than half of this, a movie that's been touted as one of the most original features out, Zach, it's original. I don't know if you know this, but originally, You mean it's not based on another property? And it, yeah, it is. Though. Like when you're going around saying that this is, uh, what did he call it? He said it's Blade Runner meets Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And I think that that is like the cutesy version of like, oh my gosh, I'm really inspired by those movies. I want to make that. <laughs> I don't hate this movie, but damn, was I disappointed mm-hmm. with seeing what could have been or what, what I truly believe was some of the most incredible visuals that I have seen in a movie in a long time. Like this stuff looks crispy. The VFX looks like it's lived in. Some of these vistas looked incredible. If you saw a trailer to this and you thought it was fantastic, I'm telling you, it is up there with like District 9 the first time you saw Mm -hmm. that trailer going like, whoa, they are working with something different here. Why did it have to be the most bland script out there, Zach? Uh, Yeah, it really lets it down, right? Because it is this like really invigorating movie to look at. And especially on in a in a world where we get so many of these like bloated CGI centric movies where, where you never really feel like the world is actually lived in to have something that is so fully realized where the world is so clear uh, from the production design elements to the locations they've shot in and everything like that. Yep. It, it really kind of sweeps you up. And I was exhilarated for the first bit of this movie. And then, you know, they keep talking and they, they rely on a lot of like really tired tropes and it, you know, we're on like season three of the Mandalorian now, and there's a a whole bunch of things out there that are basically doing the uh, creator protector thing. Uh, It's just, it's, you can see it coming a mile away, every beat in the story. And I just, don't feel like there's any real like it's weird because there's depth to the world building but not really depth to the characters and it's like if you put yes your energy equal energy to your characters this movie would be really really cool 
Exactly. There is a lot going on in this that you've seen from other movies and you're like, okay, take a stab at it. Give it a, a, a new look. I, okay, it's not really us against the AI as it is like they've split the hemispheres in mm-hmm. between the West against the East. I, I got it. You're, you're doing metaphors with... Uh, New Asia having the most uh, AI kind of, what they call them, simulants in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of got this whole Prometheus thing going on. Who's their creator? Who's their god? A lot of really cool ingredients not blended enough, mm-hmm. not really sourced out the way that it could have been. Look, I know you love your boy, dude. John David? Go ahead, defend him, because well, <laughs> I've said my piece. I, I'll say this about him. I think he's really good when he can be wry and funny, like when he's going back and forth with somebody. He's a very good conversationalist. And I think he really pulls off the action hero stuff, right? Like he's a athletic buff dude and, and he's believable in, in a, the role of like a trained killer or soldier or whatever it is. But this movie really relies him to do relies on him to do a lot of sentimentality that is the thing that he struggles with. Like there's all these moments where it's, he's, you know, mistfully thinking about his wife and staring at a, at a a picture and you just never really like buy him in those moments. And it, it undercuts the drama of the movie because he can't really sell it. So I don't know. Like, I still think he's a fun actor. I like him a lot, but I think this is the kind of role that asks him to kind of play outside of his comfort zone in a way that doesn't really work. They also had him ad-lib a lot. And, mm-hmm. like, I I know y'all like that hot sauce line in Tenet, um, bro. Y'all did not have strong enough of a script to just let him go off and, and say yeah. some of the stuff. That was very awkward. I felt like he never talked to a child in his life. But, again, the world building is fantastic. He talked about uh, shooting this with a new camera, a really tiny one that you could buy a Best Buy. And mm-hmm. it's, like, both the most inspirational thing, but it's also, like, ain't nobody buying this camera and getting an inkling of what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. I, had, I had mentioned District 9. That's a movie that is beautiful as it looks. It's not really the budget because he was working on that Halo movie and he got all the Weta and Peter Jackson help. He kind of has that here, you know? When you've worked on Godzilla... When you've worked on Rogue One, you get to get a lot of favors. And you also know the industry and the way that he filmed it, I thought was really cool because he didn't do the VFX first. He went and shot on location and then had them do the VFX afterwards. It's some like really crazy stuff he's been breaking down. So if you are curious to go catch this movie, it's very wide. I don't know if you noticed that. Like it is like it's a big release as can be, bro. Like he said he he matched um, Hateful Eight. He said he wanted to go wider, but they're like, no, we did like nobody. Nobody has those screens. So I'd be curious to see if he still has that other wide version that he wanted to do. Other than that, though, look, it's like barely worth that junior price just to go see the visuals and the sound design. It is a really cool world. Mm-hmm. I just there's wish like, I liked my time with the characters more. Yeah, there's like elements that really stand out here. Like they have those sort of like suicide bomber bo- robots that are, those are utterly crazy. terrifying. And like the, he said that- he had those for Godzilla. <laughs> and he couldn't fit it in there, so he's like, I, I'm going to use them here. Yeah, I mean, you, can't, cool. you can't let that go. The, the like heaviness of their thudding, too, is so terrifying. Yes. Um, I thought John David Washington looked really cool with the blunt ends. Uh, the robot design, too. Like, it's 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 cool. There's, like, lots of memorable aspects to this, but, like, then it ha- sort of has its weird, like, techno-orientalism, and the story is, is just sort of mm-hmm. lacking. And, it yeah, it, it's as... As refreshing as it feels at times, it is also ultimately kind of very much like a lot of other lackluster yeah. action uh, blockbusters we've seen. Avatar should not be more subtle than you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next one, though, if you wanted to stay at home, was probably the biggest release that should have been released in theaters. But Fox, Disney has been doing their Hulu releases. And mm-hmm. for the most part, they've been pretty decent. A lot of people compared this to the last one, which was Prey, another movie that people thought should have played in theaters where you have a young girl struggling with her own, mm-hmm. fighting extraterrestrials who come in. And now you have a young girl struggling with her own with extraterrestrials coming in and no one will save you. Uh, a nice little throwback home invasion movie. This is one where they really pitched the idea of it being as dialogue-less as possible. I thought it handled it a lot better than something like A Quiet Place where they should have been quiet the entire time and they never are. Um, plus it has a fantastic performance. What do you think about this one? Uh, it, it's really well directed. I, I think the sequences are, are very like suspenseful and, and really well realized. Um, you know, it pulls off the no dialogue thing. I did find it to maybe be like a little bit of like a hat on a hat. I don't know if it needed it. Like I, I was sort of saying uh, after I saw it, like 
there's there's a few words in it, and I feel like there just could have been a few more words, and it would have felt a little more natural, a little less like like it's trying to do a thing. And I, I there's just moments where I'm thinking, oh, they're doing no dialogue, and I'd rather it just sort yeah. of feel subtle, if that makes sense. Um, and even if you just throw in like ten more words of dialogue there, it just I wouldn't have had my attention called to it, and I could have just focused on the masterful staging and how suspenseful it is. And I love the return to like the the little gray man alien uh, thing. You know, everybody's trying to do these crazy new designs. Like let's let's do a classic and do it well. Uh huh. <laughs> We're gentrifying their designs. What if that, that that is what they look like? We we haven't we haven't been doing them. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. You can't deny that it's definitely trying to do the bit of no dialogue. Yeah, I was still I was impressed by it. You know, you get to this one point where there is an interaction between people in a town, and you're like, okay, how are they going to get out of this one? Right. I, you know, and it kind of worked. It does feel very stagey. Don't it get me wrong. Yeah, and it's a little bit like is it a chicken and the egg situation where if they let themselves do a little more dialogue, they wouldn't have made those sequences so meticulously crafted and, and it wouldn't yeah. have been so good visually. Yeah. So after that, like I, I didn't mind it after the fact, cause I kind of knew it going in, but then you have um, what you said, what could be the little bits of dialogue, what those end up being, you know, the type of, let's say um, confession that that dialogue brings in. Right. Uh, you know, I, I thought helped it by the end of it, but it could feel stagey for a lot of people. Yeah. Overall, like you said, it's just the direction here. It's the performances when you're zooming in on her for the most part. Someone who's been by herself the entire time, which is why she doesn't really talk. And the more that you discover a little bit about what happened in her past, I think it becomes really intriguing and you get into the like thematics of what's really going on with her and what she's trying to go through. Mm -hmm. The ending is interesting though, because you could either see it as a very happy ending or you can see it as like the worst ending right. possible. And right. I know it's ticked off a lot of people. I'm kind of of the mind where it's like, I understand the positive ending, but bro, this is like, <laughs> it is the worst possible scenario. The closest thing that I've been calling it to, it's like a Midsommar ending. And right. I, I I see this new wave of directors going like, yeah, the whole world might have ended, but like our character finally got the smile that they wanted. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, I don't, I'm not of that type of storyline way of thinking that as long as the truth for the character is there, then everything's okay. I'm like, no, nah, there's a world invasion going on. I'm worried about a couple of other truths. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, those um, bittersweet endings, but when you f focus a little more in on them, it's a, a lot more bitter than it is sweet. More bitter than it is sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, are we underrating Caitlin Deaver? She's like yeah. really excellent Not here us. and excellent in a way that's very different from how she's excellent in um what is it Rosalind which was another straight to hulu that, yeah. from earlier this year and that got stripped that yeah. just got put up on vod yeah book smart i'd say for comedy right right like she's can do a lot of things uh what is it um unbelievable, unbelievable where she's really excellent in a more dramatic performance i don't know like she's in these pretty solid things that kind of go under the radar and she is occasionally in something that's a little bit of a misfire, but she's not the reason why, but yeah. she's kind of waiting for like that really great marriage of her abilities and the movie. And mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, at some point it's got to, it, people are going to realize cause she's always great. Yeah. She has no misses. Uh, I do think that we've, I mean, we've shouted out everything she's been here. If you see a movie here, chances are we've mentioned it. Right. And I don't think that she's ever had a bad performance. And you're right. It's just about like that one that's going to take it over the edge for her, put her on more people's spotlight. But like the range, dude, the range is there. It's it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Shout out Caitlin Deaver. Uh, no one will save you out on streaming. Also on streaming, I thought it was one. And then I see another one. And then I see another one, and I wake up to find out that there is four Wes Anderson, Wes, Wes Anderson, Raw Dahl short film <laughs> up on Netflix. Um, look, I caught this one, and I caught uh, part of this one. Nice. Are they supposed to be connected? Well, only in the sense that he's doing this, like... Uh, theater company almost approach, which I think is really cool. Like it kind of, it feels like he's been working up to this even through Asteroid City, but the way yes. in which lots of people end up in different roles throughout these things it, it is sort of like a, a fun thing for Wes Anderson. 
Yeah, sure, they're cute. I heard some people try to break this down like, oh my gosh, he's like reinventing the wheel. I'm like, they're shorts, bro. <laughs> they they quibbied it. This could have been like a long antho- anthology mm-hmm. like he did with uh, his past movies. But for they French like, Dispatch, split it. right? Yeah, exactly. And they split it up for it to be something that gets released on Netflix. I don't see it as being revolution. I, I like it when Wes Anderson does something, right? And they're right. like, oh my gosh. He's using social media. It's like, bro, it, this is something that we've had for a while. Uh, I think it's a, an interesting approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember last year we were discussing Wes Anderson having two movies this year. Right. This would have been the second movie? Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I had no idea it was going to end up as a short or even as like an anthology of shorts, if that's yeah. what you want to go with. I mean, look, it is still like a pleasure to get something constructed by Wes Anderson and like the meticulous of it is like the same rigorous, uh, rigorously constructed things that he normally has in his movies. But yeah, like pairing these four together, I do think it ends up being almost like his aesthetic becomes this kind of like, heavy force that's hard to distinguish one from the other. Like I'd rather do these on four separate days mm. than sit down for all of it. Cause that was sort of my issue with French dispatch too, is I didn't feel like enough connectivity, enough of a reason to continue sitting through all of them. And, and it, that problem is probably more, ex- more uh, uh, extreme with, with something like this that is so uh, s- slight, I guess, even if it is yeah. very like well-crafted. No, I agree with you because I thought this was the only one. And the next day when I see this, I'm like, this looks like someone's copying the boy. <laughs> I'm like, this AI is getting out of control. And then, yeah, they're all him. So yep. uh, let us know your favorites in the comments on the live chat, uh, which one stood out to you. Um, yeah, well, I-, I truly believe that we're going to get a lot more feature film directors moving to shorts, which this man has already done. So I don't see him guilty of that. But like, I-, I think that we're getting a lot of people who are instead of spending all that money on a feature, they're going to be doing these shorts, finagle a way to get an Oscar, since, you know, that's like the easiest way. If Taylor Swift was doing it last year, it's going to be a whole wave of people who are going to come in. Even the, uh, I don't know if you got the uh, Almodovar short that was playing in New York. Oh, I did. Bro, that's releasing on Friday? Yeah, I, I like, guess. Like a feature, and it's 40 minutes. It's not 40 minutes. It is like 20 minutes long. I am not wasting an AMC check-in. Bro, on a 20-minute film. <laughs> and, and, I mean, this is basically the... I don't know if we want a quick pivot to Go Strange Way of Life, but it, it, this is just an ad for St. Laurent. And, like, don't <laughs> get me wrong, sometimes filmmakers do great things when they're making stuff for fashion companies. Like, we can just look at Wes Anderson, who's made an excellent uh, short that I think was... Uh, I think Castello, Castello Cavalcanti, I think, was for Gucci, and I love that short. Uh, this one feels, like, very much of like a short that's kind of meant to emphasize like an idea and a look like it's not, it doesn't have like a lot of time for character development. It's kind of quick cut to the good stuff. It's cliff notes, broke back mountain or something. And it, it just happens to star a couple actors we really like and has sort of like the vibe of a great filmmaker, but it, it's so, so like, uh, I don't know, just kind of like under, underdeveloped. It's the Bulgarian, but you got to like pay for a ticket? Exactly, yeah. He, oh, he's bro, got the Saint Laurent uh, scarf at some point, you know? Bro, okay, so what if I were to tell you that this isn't the first time he's done that? I said this. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're saying it now. But I said this for the human voice. Right. I said, yo, this is an espresso commercial. Go watch it back <laughs> and you'll see every single time mm-hmm. like she's interacting with it, that it's a part of the set, that they find the craziest angle to include it in. That's what I felt for this one. And I think you get a lot of filmmakers who do that. Their shorts really are kind of like the sponsorship, whatever pre, post, mid that they're putting in there. Um, I heard they were going to combine these two together. So if you wanted to see a double ad, I'd I mean, say just wait till they both get released. Yeah. Look, it like has Almodovar's like vision and voice. So like there's certainly elements to find interesting about it. But yeah, it's certainly not something that I'd recommend going to the theater for unless it's like paired with something else. Big difference from Parallel Mothers and Pain and Glory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Because he also has an espressos in those. But there's a difference. Yeah. But uh, well, there is a, a shot of a butt in the movie. So that's a lot of people are going to be interested in that. Which one? Uh, Strange Way of Life? That's a spo- Yeah, Strange Way of Life. Oh, okay. Wait, is that a spoiler? Oh, it, it a I spoiler thought you were asking me, me which one. Who's butt? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> 
considering you're saying it's a spoiler, I'm assuming it's better than me. I'll take anyone's <laughs> hunting down Ethan's. No offense. Um, but speaking of butts, you finally was able to catch. You were finally able to catch El Conde, which is about yeah. the biggest a hole down in <laughs> Chile. And Pablo Lorraine had submitted this as like his big satire that might have been Chile's submission. It did not end up being Chile's submission, but it is on Netflix. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of it that's really interesting. Obviously, the look of it is is great. The the visuals are very eye catching, uh, and and I think he's got this style, Lorraine, where it feels removed in a way that's like storybookish. That I kind of like. It's it's got some things in common with Wes Anderson, although may, maybe not visually perfect uh, facsimiles. But um, you know. Obviously, I know Augusto Pinochet was, like, not a good guy, but I don't have, like, a emotional connection to his history, right? So I'm watching this with a bit of a remove and thinking this is kind of like a, a silly modern take on on the vampire idea. But, a lot of, but Yeah, a lot of people can see that. Yeah, but, like, trying to re contextualize this in my head it's like what, what if they did this with like george bush or something yeah. like that I, I i would find it very bizarre i like i don't know i i'd be curious to see how like actual chileans are reacting to this because it seems like such a strange strange like marrying of of genres it, it's not it, it certainly like interrogates his legacy and stuff but it's not exactly like a like a you know a, a biography of him or something or 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 even like something that damns him it kind of makes him fun yeah it's it's a very weird movie to me it definitely gets weird when he starts including other big name high profile Dude, yeah that right and i won't even say who they are <laughs> but the mention of them is weird and then what they play in the story because it's a vampire mm-hmm. look i was both dumbfounded and almost like Screw it. I've been right. here for the ride. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> so I mean, if you're kind of intrigued in that, yeah. like skim through the movie until you get to this ending, you will know because it changes. It's like two vampires talking to each other. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, I almost don't even have words for it. It is such a <laughs> choice. Right? It is a huge yeah. choice. And I like, I don't know. I, I, it's a movie that just leaves me like with my like mouth agape, which is like certainly... It, it it has to be something interesting to provoke that kind of reaction. I don't know if I thought it was good or bad or if I have, like, the the proper historical context to, like, say something smart about it. But it is weird. Yeah, I, I understood what he was trying to say of it being a lineage of, yeah. like, they all act the same. It's almost like they're related by blood. But uh, what I would recommend, it's not uh, Chile, but I want to say this one's Guatemala. If you wanted yeah. a version of, like, taking a dictator who there was, we go. you know, committing a genocide... La Llorona from 2019, the good version. Uh, this one should be on the Criterion. I think they're even re-releasing it on the Criterion with a bunch of bonus features. If you have the Criterion channel, you'll be able to watch it. This is a great way of not just taking that lore of La Llorona, which many of you may know, the horror story, but like applying it to the haunting of this genocidal maniac who's now under house arrest after mm-hmm. being charged kind of the same way that... Um, what did we just say the other ones? Uh, El Conde. It, or, yeah. yeah. It is the, what they're doing for him there. This actually is able to make it into a genre movie that I think works a lot better. So do yourself a favor, catch that one. Maybe over El Conde. But uh, yeah. yeah. And if you're if you're watching it and Linda Cardellini shows up, that's the wrong. That's La the Llorona. wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but those are all of our movies from this week. Uh, stuff that's playing in theaters and on streaming. We have a couple of new stuff here. We'll Ooh. get through a, a quick one first before we get to the really important one. But uh, for those of you who watch us over or listen to us over on Spotify, I guess you can do both, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to Spotify. Yeah, uh, they have video there now, too. They're now transcribing, so in case, you know, you missed something that we said or you wanted to go back or whatever quote it was, I think this is a pretty interesting feature that they're rolling out. They announced it pretty much around the same time that YouTube is announcing theirs with Mm -hmm. AI, uh, trying to transcribe things for you. YouTube and Spotify are also trying to do AI dubbing, so this is like the first time we're just discussing these new rollouts in terms of like being able to take a recording that you already have, a podcast or a video, and they're going to find a way. Like, I think of an LME and, like, okay, they're just going to, like, Google Translate it. Hopefully it fits in between uh, the edit. They're going as far as saying they could take you and I, Zach, and somehow do that vubbing thing that we've seen in movies Mm -hmm. and make it so that it's not just a different language. It will be our voice. 
in and that it will language. Be our mouths moving it. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't love that part of it. Uh. Just the idea of like relying on some kind of Google Translate thing to to capture the nuances of conversation. It's uh, yeah. It's a little weird. I mean, like it's certainly like technology is crazy. That is. There's a something very cool that it that it is at least in theory possible and possible very soon. But not gonna lie, if that if the idea of me accidentally saying like a curse word in Icelandic because of, of you know translate features gone wrong, I, I don't know if I love that. I think they'll understand. I've just I've always wanted to uh, learn French, and I feel this could be the there easiest go. way that's, to do it. That's an added um, benefit. So we'll see. There's a lot of rollouts coming out uh, for YouTube, for Spotify, a lot of the platforms that we post up on. So uh, keeping the updates going as, you know, they roll those features out. But uh, one of the really important parts to discuss in terms of news this past week that I'll let you take away is the strikes out of the two big ones, the writers and the SAGs. We've had some updates. Absolutely. After I believe it was 165 days, the writer strike finally came to an end, the AMPTP as well as the WGA uh, coming to an agreement over several uh, new terms to get the writers back to work uh, and and sort of unclog the, the content machine uh, yeah. that has been slowing down in the past few months. Uh, obviously, the Screen Actors Guild is still on strike, although they went back to negotiations, negotiations today. So... Oh, okay. uh, yeah, and, and also traditionally with these things, when one guild has their terms met, other guilds uh, t- tend to resolve a little more quickly their negotiations because the That's writers good. now have sort of set a, uh, a yardstick and, and the uh, actors can be like, well, they got this, so we should get that and stuff like that. So Makes hopefully, sense. theoretically, the, the uh, Screen Actors Guild won't, uh, stay w- won't go on too much longer and everyone can go back to work we can maybe finally get the release of of dune and challengers and all of other uh movies that have been pushed out of our lives so I did recklessly not realize that people were like tip was ruined this year we were missing so many movies <laughs> it was just challengers zach nobody <laughs> yeah it was just i kept that I was like what is what was missing bro what were the 20 movies that are missing well, nine of the movies that we think are going to get Best Picture were at TIFF, but yeah. Challengers. I was like, Challengers, that's what was missing? <laughs> I, feel I guess like, day I would have been there. Yeah, I feel like any, pretty much anything that uh, was going to TIFF is probably ready. If anything, it's, it it's going to be... It was already at TIFF, bro. <laughs> if anything, it's going to be Sundance next year when all, all the movies that were supposedly filming over the last 150 days couldn't get finished. Like, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, that all being said... Uh, going back to the Writers uh, Guild, uh, the they put out this interesting document that detailed all the different things that they were negotiating for and what they won and what they uh, didn't won. Uh, Square when- one. <laughs> we don't have to necessarily go th- through uh, like every every detail, but you know that it's stuff like residuals for streaming, which is really interesting, and uh, that involves getting some viewership data. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that they mentioned that uh, the sort of threshold for when people will get residuals for streaming is if twenty percent of the streamer's domestic audience watch the show or movie within the first 90 days of it being out or within the first 90 days of the following years. Uh, so something like Stranger Things, which is like perennially getting a lot of views, that probably is getting watched by 20% of the platform every year that it's on Netflix. Something like Red Notice, which had a really strong week, but I don't think has returned to the Netflix top 10 recently. Maybe he's not uh, subject to those residuals, although it would be subject to them in the first year. So interesting. But to me, that sounds like a pretty high threshold. Like how many things do you think are getting watched by 20% of people that subscribe to Netflix in the U.S.? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to look as great um, because unless they're getting all the analytics, does it really matter? You know, like we deal in a kind of adjacent uh thing on youtube you and Mm -hmm. i know the analytics for like how long people watch and all these things and seeing amazon prime movies and netflix movies specifically i've seen it on prime where like chris pratt will come out and and beg you to finish till the end like please watch the end my retention time (laughs) we 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 kind of have shifted to like box office is a different world but the streaming world we kind of know a little bit about how those views and analytics kind of work if that's what they're applying here, you know? Even on YouTube, an ad that plays at the beginning isn't as much as an ad that plays in the middle of a video. Mm -hmm. 
if that's what they're looking for here about how long people have watched for it, they can finagle those a lot. Like, did you know the Nielsen ratings was something that I was uh, looking into this past week? For those mm-hmm. who don't know, Nielsen has always been the 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 thing that lets you know how many people watched, you know, on cable for the longest time. Yeah, USCB ratings. Yeah, rinky-dink cable. They were able to get those like that. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the world of streaming where, where you're in New York and I'm in Chicago. And we don't know how much One Piece made until like four weeks later. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little iffy for me. To me, that just showcases if something bombs, they have a little time to kind of like fix it before the news comes out that it bombed, right? right I right. think it was uh, around the COVID year where they, they found a way to not release box office numbers for Nomadland. Mm-hmm. Scummy. I don't think those people have changed. So my only worry here is that, like, I hope that they're getting the correct analytics um, and there's no suppression behind the scenes because they could still be like, oh, sorry, yours didn't get paid that much. I mean, you just mentioned Red Notice, a movie that had that many views early on and then everybody who was obsessed (laughs) just never watched it again. It's one of the most watched Netflix movies of all time, Arturo. It's not Coco Melon for adults? (laughs) Like, what happened, bro? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how these things play out over the next few years and, and, and so, and whether or not some writers actually start getting these sorts of residuals because that's one of the things that really enables people to, like, make good livings on this career and that's something that would help ensure that we can get more of the content we like in the future. So uh, I, I I thought it was interesting seeing all the different things they won. Apparently they won a lot. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see that they were asked Asking for the studios to pay something in the range of like close to 350 million. The AMPTP offered something in the range of around 90 million, and they settled over 200 million. So they they did make lots of gains. That's good. Uh, so it, you know, uh, hopefully it's a sign of good things for the industry that we're paying so much attention to. Um, Subject to a confin- confidentiality agreement, there, goofy, <laughs> bro. So I had heard that some of them like they had a they had argued for something they're like no it's gonna be this and then they end up settling for worse <laughs> so yeah some pretty bad deals on on the studio's end as well so yeah uh, you just have the numbers up on the screen so let me correct myself the the wga proposal was 429 million the amptp co- uh, countered at 86 million mm. per year and they met at 233 million per year so it's not, uh, it's not not bad yeah not bad all right well it's a good thing hopefully the uh like you said sag also resolves their thing because, yeah, this was 148-day strike. I don't know if you remember Ooh, how much the 1 in okay. 08 was. Um, but I, uh, to me, it's like when they go on these strikes, the big thing would be it's like the longevity of this new contract, right? Because I, I believe these only last for three years, which is yeah, a good thing and a the, bad thing in case it's ever bad. That's they the only other last thing. for three years. Yeah, yeah so we might like, be back here in 2026, is it? Or? Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Well, um, we'll have this up for people to check out if they wanted to. And I'm sure there's a lot of other breakdowns uh, throughout um, with a lot of different voices yeah. and opinions that have come in. The last strike was 100 days, just to answer your question there. So this one then oh. went longer. I mean, yeah, bro, it was felt. <laughs> it was definitely felt. Uh, but yeah, that's our movies. That's our news for this week. Let's give a big shout out to the people who make this possible. Our intercutie patrons over on yeah. Patreon.com. Uh, let's do it. We'd love to thank those wonderful intercutie patrons, those people who support the show uh, for as little as $1 a month over on patreon.com slash pod. They are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, who I saw on the live stream earlier, Joshua I saw on the live stream earlier, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji, as well as the producer-level patrons, Yudin, Veer, Sam, and Wiley. A big thanks to all of you for your continued support. Uh, as well as Tune, Tune, I, I think I'm using a slightly old uh, <laughs> graphic right there, so I uh, wanted to give him a shout out as well. But yeah, uh, you can support our show for as little as one dollar a month, and you get access to our monthly patron Google meetings, which we'll be doing Ooh. in a little bit with the patrons, as well as some early looks at episodes we're recording. Uh, are we? Should we mention the the Scorsese thing, or are we yeah, talk about it? Break it down. Because I've right, got so, a couple that I've not seen in a while. We're yeah. doing some rewatches, but I'll finally be able to knock out the ones that I've been missing. 
Absolutely. We are making uh, the next month on Intercut Scorsese-tober in honor of our boy Marty, the great filmmaker, every Marvel fan's favorite filmmaker, Martin Scorsese. Uh, with the release of Killers of the Flower Moon later this month, uh, an epic new movie uh, that I'm really looking forward to talking to you about, uh, we wanted to revisit some of our favorite Scorsese movies, some of the movies that we haven't seen in a while, some movies that... Wait, shut up. You saw Killers? I saw Killers. Oh, yeah, you saw it. It wasn't uh, Almodovar trying to get in. Was that the movie? <laughs> yeah, that was the movie. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. They got the new trailer. That new trailer is disgusting. It's it's so good. Uh, oh, God. But anyway, uh, we are going to do a month of Scorsese rewatches in our own hey, Intercut yeah. Film Club. So starting this Thursday, we'll be looking back at The Wolf of Wall Street. Art's got a beautiful copy of it right there. Ooh, the Blu-ray? The 4K Steelbook, baby. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I've never seen that cover. That's great. Uh, so yeah, it's it's almost Steelbook. a 10 year anniversary of Wolf of Wall Street. Same so room. we want to look back and see see how we feel about the movie's evolving legacy and uh, what kind of path it's left. October 12th, we're going to continue by looking at Scorsese's New York City with a pair of maybe like under the radar Scorsese classics, yes. After Hours and The King of Comedy. After Hours is one of the ones that I've actually never had the chance to watch. So I'll be doing a fresh catch up for here. Yeah. Easily. That, that was one of my picks. I was like, I looked through it and I'm like, yo, these are the two that have always escaped me. I've heard nothing but good things. I've even seen some people who have rewatched them recently. And it's always like somebody discovering it and going, I was late to this. So I've been really late to this. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah I'm really excited to finally wa uh, watch and talk about some of that. Uh, October 19th, we'll be back with Scorsese and Religion looking at The Last Temptation of Christ, which neither of us have seen, mm -hmm. and Silence, which is another one that I haven't seen. Bruh, I'm, it's going to be a good talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't wait. You you obviously, I'm sure, have plenty to, uh, to add on that, too. So it'll be a really interesting pair of movies to compare. And then on October 26th, we're going to get into Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, a lot to talk about with that movie. I, I have both read the book and now seen it. And there, it is such an interesting pair of uh, works. I, I, I just think we can go on and on about it, but I will save it for maybe when you've had the chance to see it. Maybe we'll even bump it up to October 19th if we're really, really excited. Oh, uh, read the book or watch the movie first? You know, I think that they're really different experiences. And part of me is really glad that I read the book so I knew the details of what they were commenting on because it, it is nonfiction. This is true a true story. And it is such an interesting history that it's worth diving into all the details about it. So I, I liked how Scorsese, you know, focused in on certain aspects and expanded on others. But to get kind of like the comprehensive history, I definitely recommend uh, that novel Killers of the Flower Moon or the the book, I guess, if you want to call it. It's really, really excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, sounds good. All right. So, yeah, Scorsese-tober. Maybe consider catching up on some of those movies so you can join us in the discussions. And if you are one of our patrons you'll get early access to those episodes as Ooh. well yeah yeah so Sounds lots good. to lots to look forward to uh we also got a question here from chase i don't know if you saw it in the live stream Better. with the strike ending what do you think about all the news about nolan potentially doing two bond movies with henry you see those rumors pop up um yeah, I feel like Nolan's always been trying to make a Bond movie. I've heard Tenet people say is like, oh. kind of his Bond movie. It is 100% his Bond movie. Yeah. But it's so not his Bond movie. Like, I am not against him doing it. I don't, I've heard the excuse of like, he's already made it, so why do we need it over here? Because it's Christopher freaking Nolan. I heard people mm -hmm. saying that Skyfall already took it. No, that's cool. Sam Mendes liked Nolan's movies, but it's still not Nolan. Yeah. Um, by Henry, they mean uh, Superman, right? Yeah. Because uh, I've heard Golding was up for the works for it. I think he's got the suaveness for it. But I feel like if uh, he'd had the same pushback that they were going to do for Ed Idris. Um, I don't know how convinced I am with Henry yet. I don't think mm -hmm. he's terrible. But hell yeah, Nolan, bro. Hell yeah. No, that's yeah. not even close, bro. Give him three. I don't care. He's the only person who I think has the leverage to literally make the movie about whatever he wants. He is, in that's my opinion, never. he's like the best director to go up against the franchise that's got all of these strings and still come out the other end of it. Make it a fantastic film. Absolutely. Films. Nolan is the the kind the rare filmmaker 
along with somebody like Cameron and even somebody like Scorsese who we're talking about, who kind of has like carte blanche to do whatever he wants, especially after yeah. Oppenheimer, that the success of it's Oppenheimer, like he, whatever he wants to do next, any studio is going to say yes at this point, it feels exactly. like, right? And he's already expressed his disinterest in returning to the superhero fold. Like he's been there, he's done that. He, he kind of has a lot of his own material to work on and he doesn't, I think, need to necessarily rely on EP. But, but he said Star Wars though. That was also mentioned. Yeah, Just I mean, for the record, I, John, I, uh, Bond over Star Wars for Nolan easily. However, it's a better fit. It's a better fit. But then at the same time, I think, which one really needs to change, though? <laughs> which one would I mean, be the crazier, like... Look, he would, be, he would be a savior for Star Wars for that sure. That would be I would, I, Whatever he wants to do, even though I don't have that much interest in Star Wars, like, I'd be there if he the chose last, it. The last like, Jedi. Yeah, like, if he is, like, drawn to something like Bond, if if he's that interested that he would maybe he's do fan, not yeah. one but two because he's such his, a fan. His passion, yeah. I yeah, want to see that. I, I want to see that for sure. Like, I, I want to see more original Christopher Nolan movies, but if he's choosing to take this Bond? on. Yeah. 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 Do you have a pick for Bond other than Henry's? I mean, my longtime, like, uh, Dark Horse is I've always wanted Riz Ahmed, although I don't know if he has any interest Whoa. or they have interest in him. Interesting. Um, now, Riz Ahmed's know, busy making the same short for like the third year in a row. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I love the Kaluuya rumors when they're out there, although he's maybe more of a Bond villain. Um, I, look, Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's lots of people out there. I don't know if I see Aaron Taylor Johnson, even though I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I'm, I'm cool with a fresh pick, too. You know, I just saw Josh O'Connor in a couple movies recently. Okay. Um, he was really good on The Crown, which I didn't watch, but he's so good in La Chimera. And I, okay. it, and he's, like, speaking Italian in it, too, so you could do, like, an oh. international thing with him. Um, may, maybe him. So you – I want Younger. I'm at the point where I want a, a younger Bond, but I want an older Batman. Like I want, mm. I want Grandpa Batman, but I, I don't think we've gotten a young Bond in a yeah. minute. Salt and Pepper Batman, fresh out of college, James Bond. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll be there giving you the breaking news when that comes out. If we get a scoop, we'll let you all know. Yeah. But here's the scoop for all the good stuff coming out this next week. So first off, we've got a couple of little projects I haven't seen yet, so they're not on my top list. But this was at Sundance, dude. The news, Xavier Dolan. Is right. out on Netflix. The and, night Logan wakes up. And isn't this maybe like the last Xavier Dillon? Didn't he like announce his retirement from filmmaking or something? Yeah, like three times already. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> what else is he going to do? Um, I don't know. It's a miniseries that is supposed to be kind of like a thriller. Um, we were given the episodes at Sundance, and but like Sundance was so jam-packed, no one was watching a miniseries yeah. at that point, so they expired. But hey, it is now on Netflix, um, so I'm curious to visit this because I believe it is already streaming or is about to be streaming on Netflix. Um, the next thing, bro, this is just the weirdest thing because I'm putting together... I'm putting together my list of everything coming out on Peacock bro, and, and, and Disney and Hulu. And this keeps popping out on a weekly basis. And I'm like, what is this? Do you know what this is? I watched some of it this this Sunday. I was so, like, just puzzled by why Toy Story football is a thing. But I guess, like, children need a reason to watch it, too. They could just watch the regular thing. Like, what? There's not going to be any, like... <laughs> That's the thing. CTE hits that happening here. <laughs> That's the thing. I was trying to think, like, is a child actually going to sit and watch this? It's just, like, a, a less hyperactive version than football because, like, the, the figures don't move enough. They look like... Disgusting. They're, yeah. They're, they're, like, what is it those old, like, uh, I think it was, like... Uh, the air, air powered no 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 like i'm talking like like analog like you used to like turn on the air and they would just sort of like hover along the top i don't know like, okay. it looks like an old toy but not i mean i guess that's maybe the the point but it's like th there's not there's not enough happening that i think it's any more interesting than watching the live broadcast when the live broadcast has benefited from the ability to cut to the crowd and cut to taylor swift or whatever First of all, I'm tired of Taylor Swift stuff, but this is supposed to be, for those who don't know, Disney's way of taking the game, and because, I don't know, like, Amazon has them all kind of, like, figured out, kind of like what Zach was describing, they they then take the real game and animate it, but it's not even the Toy Story people, it's just the Toy Story room, you can see right there, it's just Woody and Buzz watching the game. <laughs> It's not even canonically correct, bro. When is this happening? I have no idea, but that is out there. Toy Story football it, in case it's football also isn't like real. it's also not just like 
Woody and Buzz watching the game. It's a completely okay. mute Woody and Buzz watching the yes. game. They couldn't even get like Chet or, or, or what Tom Hanks's brother to do the yeah. voice or something. I, I don't think I have it here, but there is one thing I, I did like. Um, where is he, bro? Slinky being the line marker is the funniest thing, that, though. That was so they'll have that Slinky at the scrimmage, and then they'll have Slinky at the one yard line. <laughs> <laughs> they need to do that in the real game. Yeah. Then you'll get more viewers. I can just imagine the, <laughs> the ginormous Slinky. Uh, that is out there. They're putting it on Sunday, so you could watch it after you watch The Exorcist, because you're going to need something to cleanse yourself. Oh, Maybe because it's a horror, maybe because it's going to be Blumhouse ruining yet again another franchise. This man just finished the Halloween movies. Now he's doing The Exorcist. I have heard no one, like even the devil tweeted out. I I don't know about this one. Exorcist Believer looks like it could be good because it's got a decent cast. Sure. And I can't remember the last time we've had um, a good Exorcism movie. Yeah, and... I don't know if I've ever particularly enjoyed David Gordon Green's take on horror films. Like I do I think hate he's it, a, but yeah, he, you need something people are going to love. Yeah. I don't know. It, there's just nothing here that really uh, jumps out to me as like a good take on the exorcist. It, it looks punishing already. They're, they're digging up Ellen Bernstein for no reason here. It, it's like, it's just mean, man. I don't, I, I, I just, this is the kind of horror film that I try my best to to avoid at all costs. Yeah. Well, it's going to be out. That's the big release of this week, as well as a bunch of other horror movies for Shudder and Netflix that will be coming out. But let's talk about our picks for this week that you can catch let's right now. Let's do it. Uh, my five begins with the Max series, Young Love, the uh, Academy Award winning short film from a couple of years ago. Now has an entire series. It's got a uh, really good voice cast with Issa Rae. If I'm not mistaken, it's Kid Cudi who does the main voice now. Um, but it's really cute. It's really uh, just about this family and uh, like the father, especially in the short was all about being able to take care of his daughter's hair, even though the mother can't really do it. Yeah. And it's got, it's got some very familiar vibes, and uh, it also takes place in Chicago, so to see Chicago animated, there you go. really cool. But I highly recommend it. Young yeah, I Love. Didn't, I didn't realize they changed the name from Hair Love to Young Love, but I guess that makes sense since it's about the, more than yeah, hair. For the series. Yeah, exactly. Cool, I'm um, looking forward to it, Matthew Cherry. Yeah, it's nice and short, too, so it's like a, a really good watch. Nice. Uh, so I would recommend that one right there. The next one that I have up is playing in theaters right now if you are interested. But it's a lot better to just argue with your couple at home if you were to watch this together. Yep. Fair play. It is coming out on Netflix this Friday. It was one of my favorite picks out of Sundance. Uh, I think it has a really great performance from Phoebe Devner, I want to say is her name. Din- um, yeah, also Denver Alden. or something does a fantastic yes. job in this movie he he ranges so many emotions in this film and it's about this uh kind of like a power couple you could say who are trying to make it up the ranks and while they think the guy's the one who's going to make it it ends up being the woman who makes it and it causes so much turmoil i thought it was really good um office thriller i'd put it on your radar it also comes from t street who is getting a lot of movies under their belt right now t Street yeah. being um what's the name's company ryan johnson yeah. Which I was the reason um, that we were excited about this one at Sundance. Um, something else from TIFF. I want to say American Fiction, if not Woman of the Hour, was also hmm. T Street. And then they like ended up going to Netflix if it was Woman yeah. of the Hour. So I think it was uh, Woman of the Hour, yeah. Right? Really good relationship there between the companies. So uh, fair play. Definitely put this one on your radar. I would have even recommended seeing it in the theater if it was available. Yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson tweeted that this is an erotic thriller, which I still like really disagree with. But it is a really uh, effective... Yeah office gender dynamics thriller and there there's there literally is sex in it so i guess if you want to but it, it's not like an erotic movie the there's but, a bathroom scene i guess <laughs> but it's not enough to to i guess give it the whole label right because erotic it, thrillers is a genre you and i have been like holding our alden Ehrenreich stock and it hits we saw some hard times post solo but mm-hmm. that's that baby's back up Toward it, toward not so, or whatever it is that he says. <laughs> With a twer. Toward it, twer. I showed that clip to Alita. I was like, do you know about this? She's like, I don't know what you're saying. I played the clip. I was like, hail Caesar, you don't remember this? Bro, we watched that whole clip twice. It's so good. Um. Keeping with the Sundance picks, though, uh, Flora and Sun, it had yeah. a little bit of a limited uh, release. It is fully out on Apple TV+, and it's been really cool to see a lot of people really vibing with it. I know a lot of people are fans of John Carney. Um, I, I personally, I know maybe blasphemous to some people. I thought this was better than Begin Again and Sing Street. I thought it was really cute. Um, I think the songs rival those right there. I'm rooting for one of these to make it into the shortlist. Um, I thought it was just a really good performance of uh, Bono's daughter, Eve Houston. <laughs> who, you saw that YouTube stuff? Of the oh, sphere? the sphere? I just got to mention that. Yeah, you want to go? 
Should we go Bro, after Sun Gold? so bad. <laughs> that thing looks awesome. Just an excuse to talk about that because that yeah. looks great. Um, no, his daughter is here uh, acting and also performing as a mother who uh, is struggling to have a connection with her son when she ends up meeting Joseph Gordon-Levy online, who yeah. is giving guitar lessons. And they end up with this relationship and maybe even a, a family band. Uh, I thought it was really cute when we caught it over at Sundance. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to revisit it now that it's over on Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, it's very sweet. Uh, the music's fun. I, I, it's... Definitely one of the better movies from John Carney, although, you know, Once is still my my top from there. Uh, the soundtrack is available on, on uh, Spotify and stuff now, so if you need to catch Apple, up with bro, Dublin you 07. You will say Apple, bro. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but I'm not playing that brand game. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to say something else? No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, Gen V, did you catch this yet? Uh, not yet. Is it worth it? Does it live bro. up to the boys? It's exactly the boys. Okay. <laughs> it's it's exactly the boys in college. <laughs> they still got it. They still got the juice. Good. I am so excited to catch up on this. I realized quickly, I w- bro, we w- we caught the first three. I went into the app, right? I was like, yo, I, I got to see the rest of these. They gave us the boys season one, the boys season two, the boys season three. We've been getting all of the boys. There is no reason why this isn't sitting in our prime uh, library. And then I find out that it is a uh, Sony production. <laughs> 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 and Sony after that Morbius review, has not given us anything. But I am 100% asking people to put this on their radar because this, if you like the boys, they they are still finding ways to make all of those jokes fit. Bro, there is like, there is a superhero in this, in this college where they're all trying to rank up at number one who uh, her power is with blood. So every episode is talking about self-harm. Like it's got the warning and I'm like, well, mm. that's such a clever way to approach that. There's another person whose power doesn't work unless they kind of vomit. And it's like, oh, you're, you're getting into like this idea of females having to like do these things to be able to get the perfect look. There is someone who flips genders. That's their superpower. And so they go by she, him, and they, bro, they like play with this stuff so crazy. And then it's got just a storyline that is bonkers. Superhero mm. powers that like, I feel like the boy season three was barely getting into some of this craziness and like very hard art stuff. They've already laid the groundwork. So Gen V starts, uh, starts it off right off the first episode. Awesome. Highly recommend it. The first three are out and it's going to be going weekly, I think through uh, November. So uh, right. really good spinoff. I know they had the cartoon one. Yeah. Nah, this is it. This is it. Cool. Yeah, I think the cartoon uh, one maybe soured me a little bit on the world of the boys. Hey, so right. uh, it's, it's all right. Yeah, but I'm glad to hear that this is worth yeah. getting back in on. So I highly recommend this one. And I'm going to save my last pick because we've got a double up pick for this under, other <laughs> South by the other week. So, Zach, start off with the other ones. All right. Uh, let's go with one that is maybe of like a a slight recommendation, maybe not like I a recommend full. It. All right. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Cat Person because it is available in limited theaters uh, talking about like uh, gender dynamic thrillers. Uh this would be a really interesting double feature with Fair Play, although I don't know uh, if like <laughs> if somebody would be willing to sit with you through through both these movies because they yeah. they push on a lot of buttons. And uh, Cat Person, of course, is based on the viral New Yorker article that came out a couple years ago now. Uh, although it does some interesting things to expand on it, it, it sort of sort of plays on the the fears that women have in dating and the sort of ambiguous actions that sometimes uh, are are taken that make it hard to really know who the person that you're opposite is and what they're thinking and what they're feeling and whether or not they're potentially a threat to you or if you're the problem. And I think there are elements of this movie uh, that are very interesting and honing in on those like, those like gray areas in dating and in communication with the opposite sex. It really, really leans into that in some ways that are, are like almost like farcical in how they're trying to ride the line between like, yeah. well, is this okay? Maybe it's not okay, but maybe it is okay. Uh, the the final sequence was was just like, I mean, we were laughing a lot at it. I don't know if we were meant to laugh a lot at it. Sometimes I think they are intentional laughs, but there's definitely some unintentional ones in there Made too. for a good time. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like it may not be the best movie we recommend this week, but it is going to be one that will get people talking. It is a uh, hard movie to not have a reaction to, at least. Yep. So, I'll, I'll, with that all as the preface, I will uh, recommend that people check out Cat Person this weekend if yeah. if it's playing near you before it expands. And both actors are are pretty good in it. Yeah, yeah, Emilia Jones, Nicholas Braun, they they both do 
they both do the things we know them for well. Yeah. Uh, my next pick is the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which is going to be on Paramount Plus on October 10th. This is the final film from the legendary director, William Friedkin, oh, damn. Uh, who, of course, has made lots of c- classic films. Speaking of The Exorcist, uh, the re- director of the original, uh, this one stars Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Clark. It is a uh, movie about a Navy officer standing trial for mutiny. Uh, I've heard good things about this one. So I'm just curious, man, you know, this is a, our, our last contribution from a legendary filmmaker. So uh, it is in limited theaters already, but will be more widely available on the sixth. Sounds good. Uh, My next pick is an interesting one for a lot of reasons. Forgetting Sarah Marshall returns to Netflix uh, this month in October. It is one of my favorite Maybe probably my favorite of the whole like Apatow wave of comedies that we got in the the late uh, t- 2000s, early 2010s, and is kind of like the air text of Jason Siegel. If you like Jason Siegel on Shrinking, th- this is kind of the movie that laid the groundwork for that kind of performance. Yeah. Uh, maybe is a little bit strange on the rewatch, considering the last couple months some of its cast have had from uh, Mila Kunis's unfortunate <laughs> contributions right, to the discourse. Russell Brand, even Jonah Hill has had a rough couple of months in the in Damn. the limelight. So uh, maybe you're watching it with a bit of a different perspective, but I think it's still a pretty hilarious movie that's got uh, some heartwarming aspects to it. So I will give that a recommendation. If you've never seen it, it's going to be on Netflix. Sounds good. Uh, Only Murders in the Building. It is Premiering? still... It's wrapping up, man. The finale. <laughs> the finale is tomorrow. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, the third season has been a delight. Uh, as always, I think that Steve Martin in particular is really having just a lot of fun this season, being very goofy. They gave him uh, a patter song to do in the last episode, and I find myself just sort of walking around the house going, which of the Pickwick triplets did it? Who from the group could commit this crime? It, it's very like clever and fun and has a lot of wordplay, and it's really well performed. Uh, he's just such a gift, uh, and I don't know if you remember that he was t- announcing that he might be taking a, a step back from acting after this wraps up so we might not get a whole lot more from Steve Martin so you know I think he's he's shown why he's been such an iconic performer such a memorable person to watch across these three seasons of Only Murders so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to wrapping up the run with him because uh, it, it's just such a such a pleasure to have on and they've also got Divine Joy Randolph uh, fresh off, you know, she's been on the past couple of seasons, but uh, seeing her again in holdovers and then seeing her here, she's got such great range. So, highlight. Yeah, I like her a lot and I like the I'm show good. a lot. Um, and then my last pick, I tried to steal from you and you said, nah, I like no. this movie more than you. Uh, Story F from yeah, South Yeah, talk Black. about it. This was a, a a little movie that we thought was like a standout drama film yeah. uh, that stars Asante Black and Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman's also a producer on it. Um, but Asante Black's had, a, a, you know, a lot of really good roles throughout his career, barely starting, uh, especially some more in TV. But uh, this year he had Landscape with Invisible Hand that I know you preferred a little bit more when we caught it at Sundance. Yeah. And I thought his performance was good in there. But then we came to Story Ave and I'm like, there we go. Now we're talking. Uh, he plays this kid who kind of gets pushed to do a robbery at a train station and tries to rob this um, uh, Metro. Uh, sorry, MTA. I was about to say CTA. MTA worker <laughs> yeah. uh, played by Louise Guzman. And the relationship ends up being one of kind of like a uh, father who wasn't there and a son who was never really taken care of uh, dynamic between the two of them. And you also have other performances by Melvin Gregg, who I thought killed it in this yeah, movie. he's great. Um, it's just a fantastic cast, a really good drama, and uh, just really good direction from Aristotle Torres. So uh, yeah. I would highly put this one on your radar. It, I believe it's Aristotle's debut feature as well, and I think it's a <laughs> he's really... He's done music videos. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, it, it's really strong. I was just in a puddle of tears watching this one. Just sort of a really great story about like the the slow process of overcoming your your trauma and mm-hmm. yeah, Luis Guzman just absolutely breaks my heart here. It's fantastic. So 
It's our double pick for the week, Story Avenue. I want to say it was unlimited, but it should be coming out uh, virtually so more people have a chance to see it. Yeah. So uh, going through it all back again, I have Young Love as one of my top picks because uh, it's an Oscar-winning short. Then I was made for a really good, delightful uh, series over on Max. It's animated. I would also put Fair Play if you're in a couple. And especially if you work together, go to theaters to go watch this. I'm sure you guys will have a fantastic time. Uh, if not, wait for it over on Netflix. Florian Sun is already playing on Apple TV. It's got some really good music, some really cute performances. Uh, so if you're curious in the new John Carney, if you're a fan of Sing Street and the such, give this one a watch. Florian Sun. Um, Gen V over on Prime is hitting just as hard as all of the other seasons of The Boy. But it's got that college perspective. And it just, I, I don't know, it just, it's like almost... I don't, I'm not going to say it's better. It's just as good, and that should be more than enough praise. Uh, Zach, what you have? I had Cat Person, another interesting gender dynamics thriller that really tries to ride the line between is this okay or is this not. I had the Kane Mutiny Court Martial, the final film from the legendary director William Friedkin. If you're going to go see uh, The Exorcist in theaters, then maybe do him a favor and see his final film on Paramount Plus October 6th. Paramount Plus, that's so ugly to say. William Friedkin's <sighs> newest movie on... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it feels wrong in the mouth, right? Ugly. Yeah. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, a throwback pick here, uh, finally, on or available on Netflix this week, or this month, I guess. Uh, hilarious comedy, always worth a rewatch in my book. Then the series finale of Only Murders in the Building. Series. Season, oh. Yeah, season three and series, I believe, wrapping up tomorrow, unless they've got some surprises for us. Um, More murders. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a... a a fun hang, so I, I enjoyed my time with it for sure. Uh, be sure to catch up if you haven't. And then my last pick was your first pick. It is Story Av from Aristotle Taurus. Uh, those are all of our picks for this week. Let us know what you are watching, what has been interested you, uh, what you're looking forward to. Right now that we're in festival season, I'm very curious to see if you're at New York, if you're going to be at Chicago. There's a lot of other festivals from uh, St. Louis. I know Philly's going to follow up New York right away. Yep. Uh, AFI Montclair. announced their full lineup. Montclair, Atlanta. Like, there is a lot of festivals. Uh, I know Fantastic Fest just wrapped, if I'm not mistaken. There was a lot of news coming yeah. out of that as well from Texas. We haven't had the uh, the chance to do that one, but I, that's one that I definitely have on my uh, bucket list. Yeah. So if you're going to any of these festivals, let us know because it's uh, a lot of these big movies that you can't make out to New York for. They will have them at your local festival sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll also have a lot of extra picks. So if there's anything that you haven't seen us co- uh, cover here on Intercut, definitely let us know. Uh, better than that, you can catch more from me over at LME Movies on all social medias from Letterboxd to YouTube. Zach, where can people catch more from you? You can catch more from me at Z-S-H-E-V as in Gen V-I-C-H on whatever social medias you use and check out videos from me uh, at Multiplex Show on YouTube and TikTok. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut podcast here on Intercut, on iTunes, here on Intercut, here on iTunes, on Anchor, on Spotify, <laughs> all your favorite podcatchers. You can catch the live video here on YouTube where we break down all the latest movies, TV shows, all of mm-hmm. our must-watch picks, including our retrospectives on Scorsese that we're going to do right after this, right before our Patreon hangout. Scorsese-tober. Scorsese-tober. Yeah. It should have been been Scorsese-tember, but he's releasing it in October. Yeah, that's the Apple's fault, not ours. Yeah, we we message this company. We'll see what they say for next time. Uh, Big shout out to all the intercuties who listen live, all of the patrons and all the iTunes listeners who leave us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave us a comment, drop a like, follow the socials over on Intercut Pod. You got clips? Yeah, we got the inner cuts as well. We got all our TIFF reviews going up there. All our reviews are posted there every week. So if you want to catch up in, in micro rather than macro, you can head over to... Micro the, dose over on Intercuts. Yeah, Intercuts <laughs> channel. Uh, and until next time, keep watching more movies. And we'll see y'all later. <laughs>